We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Tony East from Locked On Pacers. Tony, how's it going? Very special. Wow, that is that is <laughs> heartwarming today. Good to be here. Happy to be here. Taking uh, taking the rounds of Pacers talking this week because they only have three games left. So lots to talk about, but yes. not a lot of games to do it. No, absolutely. So I mean, it's just kind of like, what do we talk at, about at this point? I mean, you've been talking at nauseum about this team. We've been talking. It feels like the same storylines. Like, how many more times can we watch the standings and talk about the games that are important? Like. <laughs> We know all that. So let me just ask you this, because we've seen Halliburton and Turner pretty much be shut down for the rest of the season. And in that, we've seen Andrew Nemhard continue to get more reps at the starting point guard, and then Benedict Matherin jump in here at the starting shooting guard with Buddy Hill going to the bench. Let's start with Matherin. What have you seen from him since he's pretty much started? I will say let's let's ignore the first two games he started on the road against Boston and Atlanta. But since then, since Halliburton's not been playing, what have you noticed from him growth-wise? Well, I was I was pulling up his stats from when he came back from the ankle injury because he was starting then, and that was before Hal Burton came back, I think. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of eras of time <laughs> in the month of March. Um, but I think he's over 50% from the field in those eight starts and over 38% from three. So the accuracy's been there. Um, but the biggest thing for me, and some Dustin Dopierak was asking Rick Carlisle about at practice today, was like, they're putting him on Shea. They're putting him on donovan mitchell they're put you know that is the thing that i think has been the biggest shift for him is instead of coming off the bench and you can see what coverage you're gonna have against you from the opposing big and you're defending a bench player it's like hey you're defending a star and and matherin has told rick and everybody all season like he wants to be one of the best two-way players in the league well that's how you do it right you literally defend those guys and get better in that way so 
not only has he kind of bounced back from an efficiency perspective, even if it's only been whatever eight games, I think now that he switched spots with Buddy Hill, but he's also defending talented players and he's got work to do on defense. I think he'll even admit that, but uh, I think that's been big for his growth to see him have those sort of responsibilities in these games. Uh, it's been awesome to see, and I'm very excited that Matherin was able to return uh, to the Pacers because it would have been such a shame to miss out on these games where now we're seeing him play big minutes, over 36 minutes per game over his last four. But on the flip side, one of our other very talented rookies, Andrew Nimhart. I think he's proven to be arguably the steal of the draft, but lately has really upped his game. I think he's playing some of his best basketball of the season right now. What do you envision for Nemhard? You know, maybe for next year, do you see him still in that starting lineup or, or perhaps could his role change? Yeah, he's an interesting one to monitor because when he plays with, as you guys know, right, when he plays with Halbert and his role is totally different, right? Completely different set of required skills. But he's been a point guard his whole life. And, you know, he, he's talked about uh, in post-game sessions, like offense is more fun than defense. Every NBA player up for all of time thinks that. And he's shown that he can do that, right? 15 assists against the Bucks last week shooting the ball pretty well recently, like really good shooting split since the break. You know, that's great. We know he's a point guard. And what did Carlisle call him? A top 10 pick in, in his eyes. He keeps moving up every single time <laughs> he says it. That number is going to be very high pretty soon. And I think they're right to be high. I mean, he's very good. But the question is, what does that look like when he doesn't have the ball all the time? And the other factor of that is, presumably if Matherin is also starting, what does that look like when he rarely has the ball at all, right? So I, I think for him, yes, it's good to improve these skills, have this baseline of skills, and the Pacers need another guy who can shoot and pass, right? like desperately. You know, McConnell can only fill that role to a certain extent at his current level of outside shooting. So having Numbar there is great, but it's really, it, it's really interesting to see how that's going to mesh next year with those skills, if that means he's the bench point guard, if that means... Someone is really staggered and doesn't play that much with Halbert. I don't know what it looks like because on one hand, it's encouraging. On the other hand, it's like, how's this going to look next year? Yeah, and I think that's kind of what's the biggest question mark moving forward is like, do you continue to start him? Who do you draft? What do you do if he goes to the bench? Is he someone that can play with TJ McConnell? I think we've seen enough of a sample size to say, yeah, you could probably play him together. But how much longer do we think that you know we're going to put Nimhart in this secondary ball handler rule are we gonna like give him the reins to the second unit i think there's a lot of ways to look at this but i'm curious now about buddy hield's rule off the bench what have you noticed from buddy off the bench that maybe is a little bit different than him starting obviously not playing with tyrese and not playing as many minutes well unfortunately you just nailed the the easy observation and the one that i think tells the whole story it's like buddy Hield is amazing when he plays with tyrese halbert and they know each other better than than anybody and their skills are so complimentary and don't get me wrong mcconnell's creation and he'll spacing still go pretty well together in fact if you can shoot as well as buddy healed you can fit with basically any other four players right it doesn't matter who they are but he fits way better with tyrese halbert and halbert's never coming off the bench despite <laughs> all these other tweaks right so that that's been the biggest thing is like he's still been good and fine and had you know, being like, I think he, what was that, 13 point quarter again? Uh, whatever. He He's done well and shown some moments, but clearly not the same level of guy that he was at his best all season to the extent that, you know, they hope he could be when he isn't playing with Halbert because ideally they would like to start Matherin next year, right? That's why they're doing it now. So uh, even if Heald can be a good bench guy, he's clearly better with Halbert. And look at that. We now have four players who need the ball to fit well. Tyrese Halbert, <laughs> and this is all. 
becoming quite the conundrum. But at the same time, it's a good problem. It's you know, it's it's hard to figure out. Guys getting better is such a weird thing to call a problem. It's not a problem, but it, you know, they're getting they're going to have to figure stuff out with all these guys, and and that's been the big takeaway for me with Heald. You know, sticking on Tyrese Halliburton, a guy that took such a massive leap forward this year. We knew, you know, officially, hey, look, he's getting the keys. You're the leader of the team now. We want to see how he would respond in that role. He blossomed into not only a leader, but also an all-star. The first player to ever average 20 points per game, 10 assists, and shoot 40% from three. But what does he need to add to his game next if he's going to take it to potentially an all-NBA type level? Uh, defense. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he would even tell you that. Um, <laughs> yeah, like he can read the game well. Like he's not, he's not always in like the wrong spot necessarily, but you know, he's kind of upright on that end and gets blown by fairly easily. His closeouts need some more. Right. He could definitely be, uh, this applies to every pacer, not named Miles Turner. Like they have quite a bit of room to grow on the defensive end. And when, one or two guys are bad at team defense. Everybody gets dragged down a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing is his defense, right? His offensive stats are unbelievable. There's a chance at box plus minus, which is a box score-based advanced stat, says, hey, this is the most impactful season by a pacer ever by Tyrese Halbert. Now, look, I don't think anybody actually thinks that, but the numbers say that, right? Like, he is really good already. But I think defense is huge because it's all buoyed by his offensive skills right now. On the offensive end specifically, like, he's tried a lot of iterations of – an eight to ten footer, the the Halley hook early in the season that went in sometimes, but not enough. And he doesn't really have a lot of floater game. And I think for a guy that he's a, a pretty good finisher, but not amazing, he's gonna need that counter eventually when guys cut him off at the rim. So I think that would just make him like basically unstoppable on offense with his shooting and passing ability. So if he can get a little bit of a shot that is like right away from the rim, but not at it, I think that would make him just, just so ridiculous as an offensive player. It'll be exciting to see where Halliburton goes from here because it feels like what can he what can he do better? It's hard to figure that out. But like you said, defensively, he's got to get better. I, I mean, he, he does read the game well. He's very good at making steals, at timely steals, and, and reading the right passing lanes and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, his on-ball defense is going to be a problem, especially if they move Nimhart to the bench. And that's something we talked about when I was on Locked on Pacers. So obviously, that's always going to be something to monitor there. But I got to ask you, since we're talking about guys that need the ball in their hands, let's just keep that same theme going. <laughs> Jordan Wara, this is a guy that's Ooh. played really pretty well, I would say. Now, defensively, once again, <laughs> not the greatest defender, but fans are very excited because he's putting up numbers and he's showing like, hey, he's got size. He can shoot the three. Like I, I got a message yesterday saying, you mean to tell me there might not be playing time for a guy that is, you know, got size on the wing and can shoot threes for this Pacers team? I said, well... This offseason is going to be very telling of, of what kind of playing time he's going to get. So what are your kind of projections, I guess you could say, for Jordan Wara based off the little small sample size you've seen from him since the trade deadline? Yeah, when Rick said they were trying to get him touches as a playmaker, I was kind of like, huh, what? For what? <laughs> really? <laughs> and and nothing, not that I didn't like anyone can grow with more time and reps, but like nothing about his Bucks tenure made me think that that would be a strength of his. But he's been pretty good at it, you know, up he never even hit one assist per game with Milwaukee. He's over two now. That's not good, but that's like, fine. That's credible. Like, you can dribble a few times into that and make the right read. And obviously, he had the 25-point quarter in the 33-point game. I think he's only been under double digits twice since the All-Star break, right? Like, he's, he's scoring incredibly consistently. Even on his off nights, he scores enough. That's all just been so impressive, and especially at that size where they've had no one for years. That That's huge, and I don't know what that means for him next year. It seems like he... 
more reasonably slot into a bench role as a three or a four with that sort of offensive power. Like they tried him on Luca, and I got why they did that when they did it, and it didn't work at all. Uh, but I get why they tried it, right? So I've been really impressed that he's kind of done every single thing asked of him with the the playmaking and the scoring, and and the Pacers keep just looking really smart for these second draft guys, right? That That's hard to do. Like teams try this all the time. We're like, we love this guy in the draft, so we're going to trade for him, and he's going to pop for us. And then you trade for Cam Reddish twice, and he's never good on your team, although he's okay for Portland this year. But either way, right, wasn't good for the Knicks. Uh, they got three in a row with Smith, Neesmith, and Wara it's to the point that, like, the, you know, they have to believe in their scouting and ability here. But, I mean, he's a 13-5-2 guy. Like, that's a very valuable player, especially at his shooting splits. And the hesitancy, especially going into the next year, is another Jalen Smith situation where it's like, oh, my gosh. Jalen Smith said it in the locker room after the Cavs game. He was like, I couldn't miss from three last year. I could not miss from three last year. This year, I, I can't make them. I'm not shooting very well, right? You have to worry about the sample size not being huge, especially because Wara's splits are like way above where they ever were with Milwaukee. But at the same time, the fact that he's doing it with different skills completely at least suggests that there's something there, and that's been impressive. You know, touching on Jalen Smith, because that it's a great comparison. Look, Jalen Smith, I believe, shot about 37% from three as a Pacer last year. He was awesome. Getting him to just re-sign with the Pacers was a huge win. Announcing him as the starting four seemed a bit, you know, okay, I get it. You know, we're rolling out the special special pen, the red carpet, everything of the sort. But <laughs> things pen. went south pretty quick. And look, in the month of March, he's picked it up. He's averaging 12 and 6 on 50% shooting, 20 minutes per game. But where do we envision Jalen Smith and the Pacers moving forward? Uh, good question. You know, he's been really – I keep saying, like, all these guys have been solid since the All-Star break because I feel like a lot of guys – compared to their first half of the season or numerically have been good. They're just not, you know, like the, without Halbert and Turner out the talented bunch that can win a bunch of games. But Smith, again, also has been 12, 12 and 15 against the Bucks last week. His stats look good. Uh, his defense has been what I, I'm probably going to do a story on this before the end of the season, like clutch block against the Thunder, swarming up all these rebounds. It's like what Rick Carlisle said is defending at the five is more natural for him than the four, which sort of obvious. But now that it's happening, that's clear. But they have too many backup picks, right? <laughs> That's not a secret, right? Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, Daniel Tice is still on this team, despite not playing at all recently. Uh, so how do they figure out what they want or need at that spot? What's more important to them from a skill perspective? Is it this unique jump out of the gym guy who doesn't can't do as much with the ball? And is it the shooter Jalen Smith is? Or is it the rebounder who showed flashes of awesome shooting and, and is defending well right now, but you know, has been more inconsistent on that end. There's like pros and cons to both, or do they trade both young bigs and figure something else out? I don't know. But but Smith's been better recently, uh, for sure. And there's a reason him and Jackson are oscillating their starts. But at the same time, neither of them have been good enough to separate from the other and go, that's the obvious guy that they should have next year. And I think that is just as big of a part of the story. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's something to monitor the final three games of the season, but I don't think it's going to matter that much. You know, I, I've said on this podcast that while I think Isaiah Jackson has more potential, I think Jalen makes more sense to kind of be miles back up in terms of what he can do. So, Alex, I have a random question follow-up yes. to that. Yes. What would you say is the minimum number of games you're like, I can learn enough in that number of games to, like, change my opinion or make a decision or something like that? Because I agree that three is not enough. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. nothing that they don't think now will change. But there has to, you know... How many could it have been, for example? I would probably go about probably 15, 20, but I would like to see yeah. them with the actual guys that you're planning on them playing with, too, because at this Agreed. point, you're throwing them in there with guys that they might not be playing with. So it's just kind of like, let's see what they have. But 
you know, one thing Caitlin Cooper brought up last time we had her on, she talked about, you know, playing Isaiah and Jalen together a little bit and Jalen playing at the top of the zone. And I actually noticed Friday when they were playing the Thunder, they didn't play together at this moment, but Jalen was still at the top of the zone. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on Rick maybe putting probably the best rebounder on the team at this point uh, out there at the top on the on the 3-2 zone instead of, you know, it, it, it makes more sense when you have two bigs, but for him to do that without the second big out there, I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, especially because, like, that's a point I keep making with Jackson is, like, why I want to see them play together is he's way better at defending fours than fives. Like, it's not even close. And he mm. even bulked up this summer, and it's still it's still not close, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, can you know, can Smith do that at all, right? Can he defend away from the basket? And, like, every year, Sabonis, you know, he's lighter, he's faster, like, all this stuff that made him better as a player. But, like, he still couldn't defend away from the rim as much as, as, much as it maybe was hoped to be the case all the time it never really materialized and so i think with smith they're, they're trying to figure out if he can do that or will be able to do that in zones in man in whatever situation and switches or is he going to be a guy that you have to do a lot of drop coverage and stick him on fives exclusively and you can't even play three two zone if he can't defend at the top of it with him because he'll be on the block or away from the basket right like figuring all this out is Important and part, you know, Caitlin's words used in a in a mailbag recently was fact finding. Like I thought that was the perfect way to describe how they're kind of putting these guys in situations right now, and that Smith's another example of that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, this season's hard to define as you wouldn't call it a success, but it was better than what people thought the Pacers would be. I mean, Vegas had them pegged it right around 23 wins on the season. Pacers actually made it to 23 and 18 before Halliburton goes down. I think they were one of the surprises. However, after losing 11 of 12 after that, things changed. If that injury didn't happen, how would you view the Pacers season and maybe what they could have done differently? Can I respond by asking why you wouldn't call it a success? I because success feels like, hey, do we get a pat on the back because we got to you know the low thirties and wins? It's successful of maybe this could have been a, a long rebuild like that. It's better than what it it looked like it could have been in the beginning. Pacers could have been a bottom three team. Maybe they finished with a bottom five record, but we I think we all saw enough like glimpses of hope to be like, I like where we're going. That's interesting because, like, when I was taught, I agree with a lot of that. And, like, don't pat yourself on the back for winning, you know, 34, 35 games. But before the season, like, I feel like success was on like two paths, right? If they're going to win 40 and make the plan or whatever, here's who has to be good. Here's what success would look like. And then there's the other path of 
if they're in year one of a rebuild or year two or year 1.5, I don't care what number you use, number below two. Um, here's what that looks like, which is these five to 10 players all looking good or better or whatever. And I think that between Halliburton becoming an all-star and Matherin and Nembard being like, oh, awesome, like this is great. Like that alone is success, especially with Turner's growth. But you're right that finishing in the purgatory spot at the standings means maybe not so much. So that's interesting. I, I in my head, it's just been like, yeah, this was a great start to a rebuild, maybe even accelerated it a bit. But I guess maybe you would say that's aggressive. Sorry, I, I was thinking about how you asked the question and missed the actual question. <laughs> Can you no, no, it's good because look, I think if you pulled 10 people, five might say this was a success. The other five might think, what are you talking about? We still missed the, you know, the, even the playing. But right. it all depends on what is your level of success. So uh, I'm with you on that. We saw enough to feel good, but not feel like it was an overall, yes, this was our year type of thing. What was what was the original question? I'm sorry. I got so the original question was basically just like, you know, the Pacers exceeded expectations. They matched their win projection of 23 wins essentially in half the season. But given that, you know, Halliburton went down, things went south, losing 11 of 12, things changed. So how would you, you know, it's like we tasted success, but then that second half of the year, I mean, things obviously went in a completely different direction. Yeah, that showed they still needed pieces. And when I was thinking about how I will think back on this season, right, they went 26 and 22 when Turner and Halliburton played. And like, that sounds really good. Like, yeah, but at the yeah. same time, it's like, that means you went, what when they didn't you know like and that's really bad so you could use that stat in a positive or negative way one to go okay good the the, the first the top of your core is good you got the young pieces like awesome or you could go oh my gosh like the rest of your pieces are so far away from helping you reach whatever goal you want of winning contending whatever and you might be farther away than you think because you're one injury away from like actually that what happened to them right in in january and february so it is kind of hard to put to put those stats together or decide what they mean. And I think them falling apart is certainly that made it clear to me that they still need to like take a little bit of time to like get all your ducks in a row, get some more styles and evaluate more stuff in a way, because yeah, look, they were awesome for the first 41, but they were not at all for the last, it's only been 39 of 38 of them, but the last 41 in a way that they still have a lot to figure out. And I think that might actually be better for them that they found out the way that they did, even if it was a bummer when it happened. Yeah, and since we're kind of talking about, you know, being in the position they're in right now, I, I know that a lot of people, and I myself do it every year, I forget that tiebreakers are determined by a coin flip when it comes to draft <laughs> position instead of head-to-head -head records. Uh -huh. Now, let me ask you this two-part question here. Number one, hear me, I'm going to give you an idea. I think if the records are tied, that whoever had the better head-to-head -head record should get the better pick because they defeated those teams instead of being worse. That's my first thought. But my second thought is, is there anything better to do than a stupid coin flip to determine that? Because if they end up in a four-way tie, they could either have the fifth or ninth best odds or, or whatever, lottery odds based on positioning if they tied with Washington, Orlando, and Portland for some crazy way. So, I mean, is there a better way to do it? And what do you think of my idea? I like – well, the, so I have always imagined – the reason they don't do like a head-to-head tiebreaker is because it'd be the opposite. So it's like they don't want you to lose to a specific team on purpose because that'd be mm -hmm. stupid. And I agree that they shouldn't. But if it is just like if you won the head-to-head, -head, you get it. That would make some sense. Like, And then like this isn't happening this season, but like the Spurs and Blazers play later this week. Like in a, there's another world where that's like a massive game because the winner gets a high, higher lottery odds. Like that would 
that would matter a lot and help with my biggest disgraced problem with the NBA is that for March 15th, the end of the season, like half the games just completely suck. So uh, I'm all for that. And I'm complaining about nothing. I'm the old man yelling at the cloud me when it comes to tanking at the end of the season. That said, yeah, that, you know, I mean, I don't know what, like, it's hard not to do random, right? Because of this, how much stuff changes throughout the season, almost, I, you know, like your goals change so much that like, a, I, I don't know that maybe this is unfair to say, but just like a game, there's a game in October. So that really matter for like, this tiebreaker situation at the end of the season. I, I don't know. It should have more, more value than a coin flip. In my opinion. Yes, I agree. I agree. The games have to matter. Right. Don't they? So you're right. That, that is probably better than a coin flip. Just it, it sucks. It takes an out. It's like one of the only luck based, completely luck based things in the NBA. Right. Yeah. I'd rather I mean, them see like a national televised rock, paper, scissors tournament. Like that to me <laughs> would be way better or something i mean or like a food eating contest for crying out loud like I a mean, coin flip is so stupid a coin flip yeah what are we gonna arm wrestle for it or or you know we got rid of like a western duel from back in the day so at this point <laughs> the coin flip is like such a it's so outdated so alex i like your your plan over what, there what's that uh what's that game called where it's five on five but if you score you literally leave the court until your team has nobody left what's do Dude, that no idea. that that would be sweet you send five guys and whoever gets their five guys off the court first, that would be fun. That, that would be playing awesome. dodgeball for it. I don't know, elimination style, <laughs> five on five. I, I don't know. It's got to be something better. NBA better players would be play. so good at dodgeball too. That would be. They sweet. they really would. Though. Or like what I, I the the, so. the the sky zone version on the trampolines, like yes. flying all over the place. Yeah, slam so ball. We can come up with something slam ball. Yeah, definitely. But staying on that draft topic, you know, Tony, looking at potentially four picks in the top 32 it sounds like a lot say you're calling the shot what are you doing with those picks whether it's using them all making a trade anything of the sort what's your gut feel of what the Pacers should do yeah if, if the Rockets finished below the Spurs uh shot the the Kevin Pritchard sending um this the the Sacramento Kings a fruit basket for stinking it up in overtime against the Spurs earlier this week because that could be huge for their season um Assuming Rockets get 31 or 32 and the Pacers get for the top 32, which seems, I, never mind. I'm not even going to put odds on it. Uh, I think right away, like April 11th, I'm looking at teams from, I'm making up this floor, but you know, 17 to 22. Do any of you make sense as a team that would want three bites of the apple that are a little worse than one awesome pick? You know, because... Maybe the Pacers can't fit in two extra rookies to their rotation, but I feel like getting two stronger ones makes more sense for them than three less strong ones. Like they don't have the roster spots for that anyway. And they're trying to improve next year, presumably not work in a bunch of development time. And like you can fit in one rookie, maybe two, although it'd be a little harder. So I think that would make more sense than especially because that player's value would maintain better if they weren't playing as much. So it's hard to find that exact team. Like Brooklyn has always been one that kind of stands out to me just because of how they handled the season with KD and, and stuff like that. Like them getting more young stuff because they're not going to tank. You know, that they, they can't. They don't have their own picks. So that makes some sense to me. But that's 21, right? Are you really giving up 25, 29, 32 for 21? Like, I don't know. That might not be high enough. So you have. To, that's what I would try to do. To see if I could figure out something like that because I, I, I don't know what like – consolidation options there would be but i don't think they can make all the picks that they have i just think from a roster size perspective in the direction they're heading it's not feasible yeah i, I think the warriors could be an interesting team as well um just because of their situation they gave up on wiseman 
Yeah, yeah that's true. And they've they like Chris Duarte a lot two years <laughs> ago. I'm just saying, if there's somebody the Pacers really like that is maybe more of a forward type of position, and they feel like, okay, do we really see a lot of room here for Duarte? Maybe offer Duarte plus a pick to move up to theirs and see what else they can get. I'm just saying, like it just makes a little bit of sense to me. But um, other than I that, actually have a favorite team for this, yeah, but yeah. they might not make the playoffs. <laughs> the Bulls. The Bulls are mm-hmm. are not gonna maybe probably unless they get insane lottery luck, not gonna get a top like not gonna have their own pick at all this year. So that wouldn't work out. But they would be perfect, right? Like that. That is the kind of team that makes the most sense. So it, it has to make sense and i don't know that anybody does perfectly but if the bulls somehow had their own first uh they would be perfect i think what what is the protections on that bulls pick again oh it's like top it's four. top four top four yeah. Yeah. oh yeah <laughs> so they'd have to get really lucky uh yeah but yeah that that's the kind of team that makes the most sense but that's not a trade that can happen so yeah i mean kevin pritchard's got a busy offseason and i'm sure that we'll be talking about this at nauseum uh with our podcast so i don't want to get too far down the uh road because right now we still have three games but um, Fachi, I don't have any more Pacers questions for Tony. I don't know if you do or not. If you do, this would be the perfect time to throw him his way because I feel like I'm ready for our, our fun draft that we have coming up. Hey, I'm ready for the draft if you guys are. Wow. Now that about the last three games, the uh... I mean, come on, what is there to even? <laughs> I mean, they play the Knicks twice and the Pistons. I yeah, I love how Carlisle talked about that. He was like, Yeah, we got you know, we got the Knicks twice, and then he's like, and then we'll see what happens against the Troy. <laughs> That was the funniest comment, but look, I don't want to speak for the Pistons, but and that's fan appreciation. I like the Pacers. Well, give it Probably their all, win. but like that, that's going to be a and they should lose that. Game. They should lose that game so bad. I mean, if they can, the Pacers it's, should. It, can they? Like, is it even possible? Don't, don't play McConnell and play Gabe York. <laughs> you know how many times the Pac- the Pistons have won in their last twenty three games? Once, once the Pacers. just against us. <laughs> it yeah. was against the Pacers. It, exactly. Right. Yeah, that. I it's it's wild that the intrigue for that game is like is this going to be the least watchable game of the entire it, season? It's, it's I'm trying to tough, go to I, it just because I want to be there to witness history. <laughs> Worst yeah, and, it, 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 look, it's fan appreciation. The Pacers just naturally have more talent. Like they might just throw out what they have and and crush them. But it's well, yeah, that'll be a weird game. It could determine there if they have a winning home record too, because if they lose to the Knicks, they'll be twenty and twenty. So that'll Ooh, make them twenty one and twenty. Which is like, oh, we had another winning record at home, uh, you know. Because I'm about still that. upset that streak ended with Bjorkman because that was that was quite <laughs> the run of 30, 32 years or so. I think it's thirty two or thirty three. But either way, I mean, great streak. But I do actually have one last question for you, Tony. Okay. Before we move on, what was the most fun moment or game that comes to mind in this season for you? Oh, oh, man. Um, the Miami Halburn game was super fun because of just kind of what it represented. Honestly, that's like this isn't one moment, but you know, they go. I, I was looking at Halburn's clutch stats earlier. Like the first 28 games he played, exactly half a season, they were like under 500 in clutch games he played in. And then they lose to the Knicks in a clutch game. And he who shall not be named, whose last name starts with a Z, says some stuff. And then since then, Halburn's been like amazing in the clutch. And the very next two games he plays, he is sick performances against the Celtics and Heat like that was such a joy from a, a team vibe perspective and just like a storytelling perspective that was so much fun individual moments or games I mean the Nembard buzzer beater was just unbelievable like that's got to be too. comes yeah. to mind first I think for for most patient fans I, I hate to be this guy Tony but that person's last name starts with an S I didn't want I didn't want to say oh my it. gosh it does we, Wait, we, all knew what so... you, we all knew what you meant I didn't want to cut okay. you off so, so I, I, it doesn't sound I, like it starts with it. I was like, does this start with a Z for real? And I was like, that's I don't look so this up. dumb of me. 
So I was writing, I was writing about that for notes. I won't say why. It might already be revealed when this is out, but I wrote Wally Z in my notes. So I just, <laughs> so I just had it with a Z, but you're right. It doesn't start with a Z. That's, oh, that's so funny. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you out, but I wow. had to. super. Well, I saw, I saw you guys. I was going to turn slide. it like, what's he talking about? And so now a bunch of listeners are going to have that problem too. That, sorry, everybody. That's uh, that's my bad. I will say this about the most fun game of the season. One of the best ones I went to was the Clippers game on New Year's Eve. That was a fun back and forth game. And I felt bad for Nimhard because he could not guard Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that guy is just so much bigger than him. And I'm like, we don't have any options, obviously. But Halliburton taking over down the stretch, that game was pretty fun, too. But... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With that being said, we are at the point now where we are going to get to our draft. And I, I put a little teaser out on social media before this. And, you know, we did food last time with Caitlin. So we're not doing food this time. We're actually going to go with a Tony's draft. So we are drafting fictional or non-fictional characters named Tony. So the way this is going to work is the person has to be known by the name Tony. So Anthony is a, a lot of people that are... Uh, Tony's their real name is Anthony so we're not going by that so no Anthony Davis for an example but if there's somebody named Tony that their real name is Anthony that does work or if they're an abbreviation name like a TJ or something like that and their first name's Tony that works as well so we decided off air how we were going to do this and Tony East picked the third pick in the draft so he'll have third and fourth in the snake draft Fachi decided he wanted to go first so I am going to be in the middle so Fachi's got the first pick. Fachi, kick us off with the first Tony off the board. All right. With the first selection of a Tony out there, Team Fachi will be selecting Tony Soprano from the Sopranos. Okay. Oh, got to cross pick, him off my list. You got to cross him off. I hope he made everybody's list. Sopranos, arguably the number one TV show of all time. But obviously, hey, that varies on you know what you're into or not. But for Tony Soprano, I had to have him. I'm actually glad you picked him because I had a, a moral conundrum about that. Like, his name is James <laughs> Gandalfi. Like, <laughs> but then There's every a lot fi- of, exactly. <laughs> but then every fictional one doesn't count. So I was like, okay, I'll put it down. <laughs> it makes sense for you to pick him. You know, New York Italian. I mean, come uh, on now. I, I've seen The Sopranos about two and a half to three times over. Just kept it going. Love it, and okay. uh, I couldn't pass him up. All right, so this makes my first pick a little bit more difficult. I don't know what Tony East is thinking. That's what makes this more difficult. I am not picking myself, so don't pick. Yeah. <laughs> I will not pick. For Tony everyone East listening, either. I'm not eligible to be drafted. Okay. Uh, your words, not mine, but we will go with it. I am going to go ahead and go Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man. He was number two on my list for the record, so that is uh... – that is where the experts had him, you know, slated to go in the draft. <laughs> Are you an expert now? Because based on your last draft, I don't think you were. <laughs> hey, this ain't my first draft anymore. I've gotten better. Okay. That's I thought he'd get picked high, but I did not think he'd go number two. That's interesting. Yeah, that I honestly wasn't sure if you would take him at three or four. So I went ahead and just took him. So All right, well, I'll bring us to the sports realm. Okay. Uh, I I will pick Tony Gwynn. Oh, nice. Baseball. He was on my list. Baseball legend, 15-time All-Star, one of the best batters 
ever in the sport. Easy pick. Okay. I like that one. Despite being a Hall of Famer, intensely underrated. Yeah, Yeah, extremely so. Yes. Doesn't he have the most hits in Major League Baseball, too? No, Pete Rose does. Pete Rose does. That's right. (laughs) Tony Gwynn was like one of the closest to hit 400 in the modern era. So, I mean, he hit 394 in the 90s. Insane. That is insane. Oh, my God. All right. Well, you're back on the clock, Tony. Oh, I, I I forgot I was up twice. Yeah, I typed down two baseball Tonys, hoping I'd get one. I'm happy to get. Tony Tony Gwynn here. Uh, my second Tony, I'll go with Tony Hawk. Um, oh, nice. Because, okay. <laughs> both because yeah, that one that one felt. I I still skipped over the guy I thought would go second, but I wanted to make my team in my Ooh. image. Uh, mostly because I have a lot of great memories playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two on my GameCube growing up, but also because Tony Hawk has been extremely funny on Twitter when he does all those stories yes. about people asking him about <laughs> if he's Tony Hawk or does he know Tony Hawk, and he's like, yeah, it's me. Oh. <laughs> so He's become fun, and his his talent was immense. I probably would have taken Tony Hawk here at my next pick if Ooh. he was on the board, but this was somebody else that I had. This is actually the person I had number two on my big board, and he is a great pick because it's Tony the Tiger, Frosted Flakes. <laughs> I didn't even uh, type him down. That's a great one. Oh, I love I love me some Frosted Flakes, and Tony the Tiger is uh, who I'm going with at number two, Fachi. So, or number I guess you say pick five, my second pick. All right, all right. Now things are this is where things get a little bit more challenging. First round, very easy. Uh next, this is I mean, obviously it goes without saying first overall pick, not much of a challenge. Now we come around over here and big movie guy. I'm going Tony Montana from Scarface. I, I think another big type of uh character, a larger than life type character. That's why uh, I thought I was gonna go number two. Yeah, hey, see, I'm not into those kind of movies. So again, that's... same moral conundrum. His name's Al. Like yeah, see, <laughs> That's the big difference. Alex has got a Tony the Tiger, you know, for the kids. And I got a movie that is most definitely not for the kids and a TV show. Yeah, uh, your picks are lining up with your chips picks, Fachi. You're kind of in the same genre. So I'm curious to see you're going to go next year with. You never know. Oh, well, you're you up on know. the clock. You're up on the clock. So tell us uh, who your next pick is. Oh, my God. So so there I am. Apparently. Okay. All right. This is where things get tricky. The back-to-back picks. Um, all right, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go Pacer theme. I'm going with a man that, you know, could slip through the loophole. I think Alex knows who I'm talking about. I'm going with Tony Warren Jr. aka TJ Warren. Oh. This is a guy that right now, I'll never forget about Bubba Warren and and that that is that is always going to be the TJ Warren I envision. Hey, you know, that's a that's a good one. I had him on my board as well. I actually had Bubble Tony Warren Jr. So, since you didn't say Bubble, you don't get Bubble Tony. Yeah, so, that's sorry. Right. Sorry to throw that at you there, but I don't think I would have picked him this early. I think there's still quite a few great Tonys on the board. Um, I'm actually going to go with another TV character. I'm going with Monk, Tony Shalhoub. Wow. When you said the TV character, I thought you were going to go somewhere else. Uh, That's a show I have not seen. Yeah, I've I've watched a little bit of it, but I know he's a great character. So I'm, I'm going that route. I, I'm nervous I'm going to lose my favorite pick and, and one of you is going to snipe it because it's funny. I'll save it for five and just hope nobody gets it. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, I'll stick with the NBA theme since we had it this round. Look, there's a lot. Of, there, there's some fun NBA Tonys, but the best one, Mr. Parker from yeah. the Spurs Finals MVP, owning a team now in France. Sorry, sorry. Owning Victor Wembanyama's team. I have to say his name if we're talking about a Pacers podcast. Uh, over in France, a legend of the game. 
He also played for the Hornets for some reason, which is one of the like you ever see those threads that are like legends and other jerseys that look weird. No one ever puts Tony Parker in those, but that's always the one that I'm like, oh, that happened. But yes, I'm picking Tony Parker. <laughs> oh, man, I like that, that one. Dwayne Wade in a Cavs jersey. Oh, it's, it's wrong. It's, it's horrible. just flat out it's wrong. horrible. Uh, Dwayne Wade in a Bulls jersey doesn't look much better either. But you could live with it a little bit. He's from, from Chicago, like Wade True. in the Cavs for like half a season. Ugh. All right, Mr. East, you're back on the clock. Oh, I'm up again. That's yes. right. That's right. Uh, okay. I, this is a TV Tony when you said TV Tony. I thought you were going to pick the only football announcer that I truly love, Mr. Tony Romo. Nice. I like He's very good at predicting plays in a way that's entertaining and not just him flexing football knowledge, although he is flexing football knowledge, and I find that to be enjoyable. And the reason it's enjoyable, he's always right. <laughs> and that's yes. what makes it so fascinating is that he bats like 800 on those things. He can see what's going on and explain it in a way that I don't watch a lot of football. is interesting to me, so Tony Romo is my fourth pick. Man, knows the game well. Um, oh, well, I'm right. up, Pachi. You're not oh. up yet. You oh. still got to wait. So, <laughs> I'm eager. I'm so ready. you're ready. I'm itching. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm going to stay in the football theme, too, and I'm going to go with the probably the best coach for the Indianapolis Colts, oh. Tony Dungy. Good one. Woo! You scared me because you're talking, obviously, you're talking Tony. Then you're talking football. So now I'm getting a little bit nervous, almost like a little drip of sweat coming Are you going down. with Tony Gonzalez? I'm going with, in my opinion, the greatest the greatest tight end of all time. Wow. Well, I was growing up. Obviously, things have changed now. That's Tony Gonzalez. All right. Oh, no. He's not. It was Antonio Gates, right, that played basketball, and they brought it up every single game he played. Yes. Yep. yep. <laughs> that was not Tony Gonzalez. That's a good yeah, one. Tony Dungy, Super Bowl winning coach in Indy. That's uh, quite the thing to celebrate. Yes. All right, Pachi, you're back up with your last Tony pick here. Who are you going with? All right. So this is someone that I don't know if you guys even know his real name, and I was going to take him earlier, but once Alex made his chip comment – Almost about my last draft, almost got in my head, so I saved him for last. But it's Tony Sirico, from, a.k.a. Pauly, from The Sopranos. Uh, one of the – I'm telling you, if you guys haven't watched this show, you'll never get it. But he, this is one of the best TV characters you're ever going to meet. And, yes, it does go <laughs> in the theme here. Pauly, hey, just passed away uh, about in 2022. That was a TV character. So what was this Tony's name, his last name again? Tony Sirico. How do you spell that? S-I-R-I-C-O. Okay. He plays like the typical mobster in Sopranos, just <laughs> one, of, one of the top characters. Yeah, I, I have nothing to say on that. Tony, I don't know if you have anything on that one either. This is a bit of a surprise Bachi's, to me. Bachi's got the TV team. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah. The only one I got was Monk, so I think I'm okay there. Um, there's a couple of different ways I could go here. Uh, That's where I'm really torn, because I had 26 Tonys for anybody know, uh, for anybody curious. Uh Man, I'm, t I'm I'm so torn here with which one to pick. Oh, man. I, I guess as a kid with nostalgia, watching him on TV every time at 5, I believe it was 5 o'clock with Mr. Michael Wilbon. I'm going to go with Tony Kornheiser. Oh, another good one. Uh, I'm surprised respect, you respect. didn't take him uh, knowing your connections to the Washington Wizards. Uh, we got the real Wizards fan here, Tony East, and the uh, the faux Wizards fan here, Michael Focci, So You can have that. You can have it. <laughs> Alex abuses me because I lived in D.C. for a few years. So uh, yeah, I didn't live there, so well, I have no excuse. <laughs> uh, but that, right. I'm going to go Kornheiser to, to round it out just because I think I, I don't really have a lot of sports on here besides Tony Dungy. So Kornheiser is another guy that I've always respected and enjoyed his work. I have a couple more sports guys, but I'm glad I get to make my last pick. I don't even know if this guy got across your brains or if you guys even know who I say. 
If I say the name Tony Del Vecchio, do either of you remember who that is? That is from Backyard Baseball. It is from Backyard oh, wow. Baseball. In fact, he was actually pretty good at basketball on offense, too. He was atrocious as a defender in those games. He had a <laughs> he had a sister in those games. I can't remember her name. Yes, he had the sucker in his mouth that looked like a cigarette. He did have the sucker in his mouth. Oh, yes, wow. yes. This is great. I'm glad you remember this. When I uh, thought of him, I thought, oh, I got to get him in there. Tony I do not Vecchio. have him. Oh man, I gotta find out who his sister is. What is her I name? I can't Vicky? remember her. Name. I want to say it was it was Vicky, Vicky. Del Vecchio. That's what yeah. I think too. I, that 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 has got to be it. But I don't know that because Vicky was also like the the ballerina girl. I don't. I, this is not interesting for anyone listening. This, unless this, I know who we're talking. This about, is unlocking but... a major memory right now. Obviously, everybody <laughs> remembers you know Pablo Sanchez. I think there was there was Kenny in the wheelchair. I also remember him. But <laughs> that name, I had not heard of, of the Del Vecchio in a long time. I remember uh, from baseball. Angela uh, Del Vecchio. Vicky Kawaguchi. That's right. She had the, the long brown hair, right? That's, yes. That's right. Yeah. I think Vicky this... was the ballerina or the dress or something. <laughs> you can see it on the screen. That's Sorry. so good. Yeah, Pete yeah. Wheeler, everybody remembers, right? The fast right? Yeah. And then you had yeah. Amir and uh, Ahmed Khan. Uh-huh. With the I headphones. remember those. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're getting, we could have done a little uh, backyard baseball thing. Now, I will say this for some honorable mentions, people we did not mention. Yes. Uh, Tony Stewart. Yep. Race car yep. driver. Uh, someone that I was really close to picking was Tony Larusa, as I'm a Cardinals fan. He's on my uh, list. Yeah. Good choice. Uh, hold me closer, Tony Danza. Tiny dancer, just kidding. But Tony Danza, <laughs> uh, Tony Atlas, Tony Saragusa, Tony Reale, um, and then Tony Bennett. Both of them, the singer and the coach for Virginia. Also on my list, the Virginia my, coach. My honorable mentions: Tony Allen, Tony Dorsett, yeah. the Cowboys, and then Tony Robbins, motivational speaker. So th- those are my three, but you know what? Hey, I'm 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 happy with my five. Wow, you guys had a lot of good honorable mentions. Uh, the NBA Tony, we forgot that I love Tony Delk, uh, yes. an absolute beast in NBA Live 04. That dude was so tiny, but so <laughs> killer. Uh, Tony Ridinger from The Incredibles. Uh, oh, okay. Violet's favorite boy from the high school. Fat Tony from The Simpsons. Uh, yes. That is my. I, <laughs> I did see him on the list. He was high up on one of the lists. I saw I clicked on a link that had him at like number four. I was like, Oh, that's too high. That's that's pretty aggressive. Yes, I saw a couple of those. Now there is one that I wanted to pick because I love uh I love the way the seasoning helps food taste better, and that's Tony Sashery. If you've ever seen Tony's seasoning in the green little can or whatever it is, I don't know if you guys ever have seen that in the stores, but it's they're one of the biggest seasonings that are sold throughout the world. Uh, and I had to look his name up on YouTube because I was like, how do you pronounce that? Uh, but it's Tony Sashery. He's a little uh, like character on there, but he, I think he passed away not too long ago. But he, uh, they do incredible sales with their Creole uh, seasoning. So that was another yeah. honorable mention. And then, like I said earlier, uh, Tony Kukoc and one other person we didn't bring up, Tony Hale. Uh, oh, Tony Kukoc, a blind spot. I didn't think of Tony's with I, I did, I did not. Yes. And I'm going to be honest. Tony Braxton. Any of the lists that I scrolled down, Tony Kukoc being left off. Wow, you just uh, you just opened up a whole new world for me. So there we have it. Go ahead, Tony East, and read your five back to us. Uh, my five. This is not in order. I just put emojis next to their name once I pick them. Is Tony Hawk, Tony Romo, Tony Del Vecchio, Tony Gwynn, and Tony Parker. Very sports heavy. All right, Fachi, read us your Tonys one more time. All right, here's the thing. I deleted my list, so I, I let me just off memory. <laughs> I got it. Tony, Tony Soprano, okay. Tony Montana. TJ Warren, Tony Gonzalez, and Tony Sirico. Sirico. Yeah, AKA Pauly. So yeah. I had I had Tony Stark, Tony the Tiger, Tony Shaloub, Tony Dungy, and Tony Kornheiser. So 
this draft was inspired, obviously, by Mr. Tony East himself. So uh, thank you for having uh, a name of Tony so we could do this. And thank you for so many great Tonys out there. Wait, I kind of want want you guys to do this with everybody you have on in their first name. Oh, it could get kind of old quick, but uh... we'll see. Hey, you never know. But yeah, no, this is this was our second draft, and I, I'd say this this was definitely a lot of fun, something different, especially when you got those awkward three games left in the year and <laughs> not too much to highlight on. Well, next week, Fachi, we might have to do our bunny draft because of Easter. Not sure yet, but uh, that could be a fun one, just the two of us, because there's not that many bunnies to pick from are popular but with that being said everybody thank you so much for listening to today's show Fachi real quick tell the people where they can find us out on social media absolutely so you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three you can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-T-I you can find us on Facebook at setting the pace you can find us on TikTok at setting the pace you can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk and Alex tell them where they can check us out on YouTube yeah, there's a lot of stuff here, everybody. YouTube.com slash in the pace of Pacers podcast. And of course, make sure you guys go to Linktree to find all of our stuff. And then Mr. Tony East, please let everybody know where they can find all of your great work. I'm embarrassed that I uh, do not use any of the many social medias that you guys utilize to <laughs> share your Pacers opinions and analysis with fans. Uh, just go to Twitter. I'm on there at TEastMBA. For now, uh, if my... If my verification does get removed as a result of Elon Musk's decisions, I will be changing my hat because I don't just cover the NBA anymore, but I just post everything there. That's the easiest way. Awesome stuff, everybody. So we will talk to you all. I believe Thursday we'll be back. So Thursday night we'll talk to you guys. All things Pacers. We'll see you then. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.